Turn in the tide as Jeff Berwick takes control over vital supply routes in Anarchapoco. Freedom forces invade a key planet, the darkened world of Govera, where popular radio host and podcaster Ian Freeman sets up his pirate radio station in hopes of changing the culture. Ian Freeman is the host of Free Talk Live, a nationally syndicated libertarian talk show heard on over 200 AM FM radio stations nationwide. He's also a blogger at freekeen.com and moved to New Hampshire as part of the New Hampshire Freedom Migration in 2006. He's also a crypto evangelist and has helped local business owners and others accept cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. In the midst of helping Ian Freeman make some waves over the Covarian capital, Johnny Rocket and Raylene are called away to the planet Yalm, the Hazlitt system, to meet up with Major Cliff Maloney to discuss top secret plans to win back Earth. Johnny's squadron is now temporarily placed under the command of ground control, a dry and temperamental leader. Will Ian Freeman change hearts and minds and make some airwaves on the planet Guevara? Will Johnny's squadron be able to provide adequate defense during his departure to y'all? Stay tuned to hear Ian Freeman on episode 46 on Blastoff with Johnny Rocket. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. I'm here with my real truth, Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Hello. How's it going, Johnny? Good. How you doing? I'm having a great day. I just caught up on uh, the last of the Game of Thrones episode. Oh, I knew you would do that. I knew it. I knew you would talk about Game of Thrones. I knew it. <laughs> you, Jesus, like, it's like so well. everywhere. It's like everywhere. I'm like, enough. I, I just want to watch the goddamn series yeah. uninterrupted. I've, I read the books, uh, the first four, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait until the whole damn thing is done. I think we talked about this before. But here's the thing. This morning, I woke up, and it's been kind of hot here in Arizona. And I look up, and my studio, I have, like, these sound dampeners throughout mm-hmm. my room in my studio. And all of a sudden, all of them are just falling off the walls. So my what? studio is literally falling apart. I'm like, what the is going on? Kim actually, you know, created the studio for me. So right. um, what I did is I bought some, like, Loctite spray adhesive. And now I'm, like, putting it back together, like, at 8 o'clock in the morning just like spraying the backs of these, you know, sound dampeners and uh, to deaden the room because I don't want a Mm -hmm. lot of reflections in the room. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've been building the studio again and it it starts to, you know, it's starting to fall apart. It's kind of pissed me off. So is, is this a euphemism for Game of Thrones in the last season? Because I I hope it is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. All right. right. We we have a cool show today and it's something like it's, it's a passion of mine. It's something yeah. that I've always thought it was cool. Like we did our all-nighter cover picture thing that we do for the all-nighter. And I've always wanted to do like a pirate radio station. And uh, I know, I know. I, I just, I'm fascinated by radio. I've always been a big fan of radio and broadcasting. I, I just like the way it sounds over the airwaves. Ever since I was a little kid, I used to listen to like mystery theater, CBS's mystery theater and all these old radio programs I used to really enjoy. So it, it kind of got me into wanting to do radio. And this is kind of like a quasi kind of radio, a podcast. But 
From the Hitchhiker's Guide to Pirate Radio, in a world of increasing regulation and control, defiance from the established modes of behavior are tolerated less and less. New ways are constantly being discovered by governments to discourage such behaviors. In addition to being regulated by governments, much of the broadcast community is controlled either directly or indirectly by a small group of people to further their own agendas. Pirate Radio is controlled neither by the government nor by special interests and so enjoys an unencumbered ability to present alternative expressions to its listeners. Even with the rise of podcasting, which virtually allows any Tom, Dick, and Harry with a computer and internet connection to become a radio personality of sorts. Pirate radio stations continue to haunt the Federal Communications Commission, and today we're talking about pirate radio and give you the tools on how to do it. Today we're talking to Ian Freeman. Ian Freeman is the host of Free Talk Live, a nationally syndicated libertarian talk show heard over 200 AM and FM radio stations nationwide. He's also a blogger at freekeen.com and moved to New Hampshire as part of the New Hampshire Freedom Migration in 2006. He's also a crypto evangelist and has helped local business owners and others accept cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Hey, Johnny and Raylene. Thanks for having me. Rock and roll, man. Rock and roll. So, dude, seriously, this has been like a subject that I've just been really interested in. I've wanted to get into broadcasting for a long period of time. But right now, it just seems like it's really hard to do it. And what got you into this? Because, I mean, I know that you're kind of a subject matter expert on pirate radio. What got you into this? And what is the history behind this illegal broadcasting? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I I grew up with, I don't know, I guess radio kind of always being close to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I was into it for a long time. You know, I can remember listening to uh, a radio, you know, under the bed covers as a kid, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if, uh, if young people today have that same experience. Maybe it's all with their their mobile phones or whatever. But um, I kind of fell in love with uh, with radio, and at some point discovered pirate radio. I think it was because of shortwave radio, which is kind of this weird esoteric thing that nobody really does anymore, and no one really should because it sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> right, but, it does. But there used to be a shortwave frequency on which pirate radio operators were sort of known to operate. And I remember hearing one of them one night, and he he gave away uh, it was it was Wack Radio W A C K Radio. I actually still have the uh, the bumper sticker from it. He really? was giving away bumper stickers. <laughs> you could call a toll free number, and uh, he would send you a bumper sticker. So I did that. Um, but anyway, I just kind of loved the idea of broadcasting without permission, and I, I've kind of always been an anti authoritarian. From back as long as I can remember, I never really liked being told what to do. Uh, you know, back as as far back as you know, kindergarten. Right. And uh, so you know, this has sort of brought all those things together for me. The idea of you know not asking for permission to broadcast, and that way you can just kind of put out there whatever you want. And most people kind of do pirate radio for musical purposes. Whenever you hear an, a news story about a pirate station uh, being taken down, it's almost always you know they were just playing music. But I think that ideas are more important. So, you know, I, I do talk radio. And so 
part of the reason why I got into broadcast radio sort of on the legitimate side of things was I figured, well, if I'm going to do pirate radio, I better figure out how to actually do, you know, real radio, broadcast mm-hmm. radio. So that's what that's why I got started there. But I've always had a love for pirate radio. And, I, you know, I've, I've put together like, you know, a guide on the Liberty Radio Network website on how to do it and, you know, what hardware you might want to look at and, you know, some of the basics uh, of, of how to do uh, broadcasting without permission. Can you go ahead and give that uh, radio or that website again to our listeners just so they can go and figure out how to do this on their own? Sure. So um, it's the Liberty Radio Network and the site is lrn.fm. Uh, that is uh, one of the places your show is is featured. It's one of our programs that that airs there. We appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> There's a tab there at the top that says broadcast. And then underneath that, it's I want my own lrn.fm radio station. And then there's a very lengthy uh, page about satellite signals and hardware and, you know, Internet options and all kinds of uh, different suggestions. Beautiful. Yeah. What fascinated me about the whole idea of pirate radio is it actually I mean, I'm a big rock and roll guy and it actually helped start the rock and roll movement, especially in Britain in the 1960s. I mean, what else has it done besides rock and roll music? I mean, because I know that it, it, you know, you could use, you know, politics or ideas, but can you explain a little bit about that? Because I know that you're kind of a subject matter expert on this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much of an expert I am, but I'm definitely a fan. And uh, <laughs> so, so whenever I see a news story about pirate radio operators, you know, getting raided or, you know, getting taken down by the, by the FCC in some way, I'll always kind of pay attention to it, like to talk about it on the air on, on my program, Free Talk Live. Um, and, and do whatever kind of cheering on that, that I can for those uh, for those folks, because I think it's incredibly brave. You know, they're going up against potential uh, $10,000 fines by the FCC if they get caught, potential theft of their equipment by, you know, whatever armed goon squad decides to break into their home and, and steal their stuff. So, you know, it's a pretty risky thing to do. And uh, there's, you know, some interesting details as you start to kind of learn about how this stuff works. And, you know, when the FCC tells you uh, that you know, they're going to hit you with a fine and they do, you know, they want you to pay it. But, you know, the question is, what happens if you don't? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been some interesting theories out there that suggest that the reason why they can never actually collect the fines is because they're afraid to go to court. They have to actually have the Justice Department prosecute essentially bring a case against you in order to collect that that $10,000 fine uh, or whatever the arbitrary amount is that, that they end up assessing against you. And the theory is that they're not willing to actually bring any case because then that would open them up to a free speech defense and they don't want anybody to actually, you know, have that opportunity, you know, in front of a court to make a free speech defense. So they just kind of bluster and they say, well, pay us that fine. Exactly. And okay. Here's how you can pay. Here's our checking account. And here's our, you know, you can use credit card and we'll wow. take a wire transfer. Uh, but, you know, they don't actually ever follow through and, and prosecute. It seems to be the way things are. So every now and then you'll see somebody pop up. Like I think there was a guy in Boston who was so brazen that he actually even had a like a physical office from which his studio was located that, and he was like selling advertising on his pirate station. <laughs> that's pretty bold. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty bold. That's, that's hot. Awesome. That is sexy. And he was, you know, he was playing like, you know, urban music or whatever. And whatever it was that he felt was missing from the dial, he he was playing the stuff he, he felt people wanted to hear in his community. And uh, I don't know what the latest is on, on his case, but I love that stuff. Yeah. That's great. Johnny actually was 
So I'm going to kind of um, talk about something Johnny was telling me, and then ex- you can expand on it. Because he was explaining about in Colorado, just a couple of years ago, there was a lot of illegally operated radio stations. And he was saying he didn't know what ever happened with that. Is that correct, Johnny? Yeah. Yeah. In, in 2017, there was like a lot of radio stations in Colorado, and they're illegal. And they're very gung-ho of shutting them down, but I just never knew what happened from that. Yeah, do you know? There wasn't any follow-up story about this. Yeah, the news media isn't particularly good at following up on any of this stuff. So it would have to be, you know, an individual who wanted to reach out to whoever those people were to kind of find out, hey, what's what's going on with mm-hmm. uh, with your case? Right. Do you think that this is included? Do you think that the reason why we didn't hear about it is because they were trying to find them and then they just didn't, like, through ignoring them? I don't know. That's a good question. I know that there, um, there was some tough talk from the FCC about going after, I think it was the station in Austin, Texas, that made some headlines last year uh, when they got raided, basically. Um, the FCC targeted a longtime pirate in Austin that had been on the air for, I think, like 15 years, maybe 20 years. Wow. I mean, wow. they were one of the most ballsy uh, operators out there. And uh, they, from what I understand, the FCC didn't even really get the real operators because they were pretty, uh, they're pretty slick with how they do things there. And um, they're, they're like, you know, they're kind of like those courtroom conspiracy theorists, people mm-hmm. that like that uh, have all kinds of theories about how courtrooms are supposed to work. And so, like, they've got some real interesting characters running that station, because a lot of times when the FCC comes down on a on a pirate operator, mm-hmm. usually they just issue a, a threat. And then the person shuts down the operation and then that's the last of it. That's the end of it. But the people in uh, in Austin, Texas, are they're they're willing to fight and they're willing to go to court. So it's going to be a, that's interesting. a real knockdown, drag out uh, fight there. OK, well, so like with regarding political movements and political ideologies, like what we're doing, we're doing a libertarian show and you are, too. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard stories from like Lawrence Reed. He's been in other countries in which, you know, there were, you know, illegal radio stations that were spreading the message of freedom and liberty. And even Peter Jaworski, he was on our show a long time ago and he was in Poland when Poland was occupied, you know, under a communist regime that he was saying that there was illegal radio stations and there was, you know, everyone listened to these things and it, it really helped disseminate dissent. Yeah, he educated the common man about, like, this is what you guys are being force-fed. This is what we can do. And it really was awesome because it it didn't have an agenda. It had an agenda, but it wasn't regulated. It wasn't approved content that was being, like, you can only go through this certain thing. No, I mean, they were illegally broadcasting, and it could have been, like, death for these people. Yeah, great risk to themselves. Exactly. Like Mm -hmm. us, you know, we get slapped with a fine. But these people were actually risking their lives to get the message of liberty out there. And it was crazy. He was telling me a story like, you know, if you guys are listening to this radio station, go ahead and flick your blinds at nine o'clock at night or something like that. (laughs) And the entire city did it. And and there was a song written about it. And it was just so beautiful about the story of like how everyone was behind this pirate radio station. Mm -hmm. And it really gave them hope. And I think that's what we're doing. It is a beautiful story. And I think this is where we come in. As I cried from that story. It made me cry. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. This is where we come in. I mean, we are people who are, you know, on podcasts or, you know, you yourself are on all these, you know, nationwide FM, AM radio stations. But it really, I mean, there isn't enough of us to actually make a difference. I think as of right now, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like we're on podcasts 
And anytime you see the word libertarian, people turn it off, Ian, and they go, oh, another <laughs> crazy Alex Jones. And so, like, <laughs> you know, but I, whatever. But this is where we're at right now. And I, I think, like, if we actually infiltrate these radio networks, and we're not really advocating for you guys to do this because we have a legal disclaimer, but we could actually start a movement, a real movement, if more people got involved in this. What, what's your thoughts on this, man? Um, I, I, like I said, I, I love pirate radio and we've seen it happen here. If for listeners unfamiliar, I'm in New Hampshire. I moved here as part of a migration of libertarian types. And so because we've got a nice concentration, uh, probably a bit, you know, greater concentration of libertarian activist types than anywhere else, we've actually right. seen uh, a handful of pirate radio stations here over the years. And, uh, yeah, there are people that, that really listen to it. And I do want to add for folks out there in New York state and Florida, um, you should be aware from what I understand, there are local, uh, statutes in those states that do criminalize pirate radio. So in most places it's pretty risk-free it's, or at least low risk, you know, you're risking getting your equipment taken and, and facing a fine from the FCC, which as I said, you might be able to, you know, avoid paying. Uh, but in in New York and Florida specifically, they have made it, I believe, a misdemeanor, the punishable offense in if you get caught operating a pirate pirate station. So just you know, just a heads up, uh, you may want to check your your local ordinances. But uh, but here, people were running pirate stations, and when the FCC came sniffing around and they delivered whatever notice to the operators and the landlords, that basically they just stopped operating the station, and then that was, that was that was the end of it. But up until that point, there were you know there was some indication that people were listening. I remember. Uh, for a long time, you know, uh, readers of freekeen.com, you may you may be familiar with Judge uh, Judge Burke. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen Derek J's victimless crime spree, he's one of the uh, sort of the antagonists in, uh, you know, in, in the Keene, New Hampshire area. And Judge Burke actually made a comment to my co-host Mark Edge once because they both used to work out at the YMCA. So they'd see each other there on occasion. Right. And so after one of the first pirate radio stations got taken down here in here in Keene, the judge actually commented to Mark saying, what happened to the radio station? Mm-hmm. And so the suggestion there is that he was listening, right? So, wow. you know, all kinds of people listen to that. And I think it's one of the most effective uh, forms of libertarian outreach that, that we can engage in. Um, and yeah, there's some risk involved, but that's why it's so effective. So uh, considering that we're all liberty-focused people, that we understand the oppressive monopoly on force, the state, everything like that, let's talk about what the future is with an oppressive government. The fact that uh, we all have the internet right now, podcasts do seem to be like the future forward innovation, but is there a future for analog in free speech activism, especially if the government becomes even more totalitarian? Is this something that we're going to see a way, a route to freedom through analog radio? Well, I mean, obviously things are moving in a different direction, right? I mean, everything is becoming more decentralized. There are more choices than ever. And this is a good thing, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. And one of the reasons why radio is is suffering, you know, in the, in the way that it is, is because it is a regulated industry. Right. Uh, it is a business that has a high level of government control uh, over in the case of the licensees, the people who legally are able to operate an AM or FM transmitter is a relatively small group of people. And right. it's a hard club to get into. Even if you do have a bunch of money, your best bet legally is to buy an existing station rather yeah. than hope hope to get 
uh, hope to get, you know, granted the ability to build a new one because the FCC almost never hands out uh, construction permits. So it's yeah. even if you have the attorneys, even if you have the money, it's almost impossible to get into to broadcasting. And of course, as you pointed out, things are moving in a much more digital direction. Everybody's got a radio transmitter in their pocket now. Uh, you know, in the form of their their cell phone, so mm-hmm. they can just listen into whatever they want. But the the reality is, at the moment, there are still a large installed user base of analog radio receivers in the United States and in other places around around the world. Uh, there are a lot of people who still listen to broadcast radio on the way to and from work, for instance. Um, so for now, at least, and for the immediate future, this is still a viable means of reaching people. I need to ask if the grid goes down and there's something really, really bad, is this something that would benefit us to have people doing the free radio? I mean, if if something goes bad and we can't get on the Internet, we don't have the servers. I mean, if, is this something that could actually help us? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if, okay. if, if you've got a, a power grid down, then uh, if you've got a you know some sort of a generator and the ability to create enough power to broadcast and like a pirate radio transmitter you you're talking about probably no more than 50 watts in a lot of cases so i mean we're talking about a light bulb yeah Mm, okay got it thank you okay so ian uh really quick i'm so let's talk about this fcc right and the licensing i know that you were saying that it's pretty scarce i mean it's really difficult is that one of the main motivating factors why people do it because i know that it costs a ton of money and they only hand out so many per year. That's right. And again, it's price and scarcity. So, like, is this the reason why people do it? I think that's certainly one reason. I mean, if the uh, the legal barriers weren't so difficult, then probably more people would would jump whatever the hoops were that the you know the government puts up. I mean, nobody wants a goon squad coming in uh, to their home and you know holding a gun to their head while they take their their uh, broadcasting racks. Okay. I mean, so I could understand, you know, I wouldn't blame somebody for wanting to, to jump through the hoops legally, but they've made that so prohibitively difficult and expensive that uh, it's a lot easier to just pop a transmitter up. I mean, for the for the price of uh, what you would pay probably to just apply to get a broadcast license, you could probably buy a few different transmitters. So you could, you know, have one in, uh, you know, in a backup location in case they take your first one. What is the pricing on this as, as a follow-up? Mm-hmm. I mean, so what is the actual pricing? So if I, let's just say Johnny Rocket wants to put together the Launchpad Media Network on .fm, right, 95.2, how would that work? How much would it cost? And then how long, what's the wait time? Hmm. And like, what would I have to go through? Like, what red tape would I have to go through to do this? Hold on, so you're asking the legal process? Yes. Honestly, oh, I don't legal. even know. Um, I've, I mean, at, at some point I looked, I tried looking into it when I was much younger uh-huh. and it was just so overwhelming and confusing and difficult. Like I gave up and I'm sure that's what most people would do. I mean, basically you've got to be able to hire a, a, like what they would call a, a broadcast attorney, somebody who, you know, specialized in learning the FCC's obtuse you know, nebulous system and, and <laughs> yeah. hire them, hire them to hold your hand through the process, which involves an application fee of some, I'm sure, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars that just, you know, I'm speculating on that. Um, and, you know, you have to hire a engineering firm to do a study and that that information has to be passed on to the FCC and God knows how much that costs. 
Um, and that all presumes that they're even accepting applications. What the FCC does is they have what they call a, uh, a window uh-huh. where they will arbitrarily decide that they're going to open up their little application window and only then can you apply. So most of the time they don't even have the window open. So you couldn't even apply even if you did have an attorney and even if you did have the engineering study that you need. So you basically can't do it. Wow. Okay. So conversely, what uh, ballpark between what numbers and what numbers would somebody that was deciding to do a pirate radio station, what would their costs be roughly? Oh, wow. Well, that's super affordable by comparison. I mean, you can go on like eBay tonight and probably get, it's been a while since I've priced these things, but the last time I looked, they had like higher radio packages that'll get you like a cheapy Chinese transmitter and antenna, you know, for a couple hundred bucks. I mean, you can totally cheap out for a couple hundred bucks, but I can't guarantee, you know, that's going to be a decent signal or, or, or quality, but it'll get you something and it'll get you on, you know, it'll get you on the air. You could go and spend a little bit more and get like a decent 50 watt transmitter for, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Uh, There's some sort of mid range Chinese transmitters that are not as crappy, but not the best. But, you know, you might be looking Mm -hmm. at 400, 500 bucks. And that's just for the transmitter. Antennas are pretty cheap, you know, maybe another hundred bucks for an antenna, decent uh, half wave antenna or something like that. And these things are readily available on sites like eBay. And then the only other thing you got to do is feed it audio. So then you just kind of have to figure, well, you know, what what audio source am I going to use to put this thing on the air? And with LRN.FM, we have two uh, audio delivery methods. One is Internet. The other is what we call free-to-air satellite. Interesting. So, like, for example, like, I'm a member of, like, BSW. I buy stuff from them all the time. They're they're a great site. They're good guys. Great customer service. I get all my audio gear from them. But is there like any like limitation? So if I was going to buy a transmitter and antenna, do I need to have a license and prove that before I buy from like these notable companies? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I don't I don't have an answer to that because um, I've never purchased a, an actual broadcast piece of equipment from any of those companies. I, I like those companies for, you know, you need a pair of headphones, you need some equipment exactly. for the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they may offer some broadcast, uh, like, you know, transmitters, but I'm not, you know, I'm what not I'm talking even sure about because, you, you know, if you want to buy a gun, you have to have your license. Here it is. Right. In yeah. most States, you know, or, you know, I'm just thinking they would do the same thing in regards to transmitters and, you know, antennas because they would want some sort of proof that, you know, you're not starting a pirate radio station. I'm assuming that. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. That seems like a safe thing to assume, at least as far as like major equipment manufacturers. Um, The unit that I've recommended on uh, the LRN.FM broadcast page is a PX50, which is by a company called Ramsey. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they're, I don't even know if they're manufacturing them anymore, but there are companies out there that are more than happy to sell you a transmitter without asking questions. So you just kind of, <laughs> there you, you go. Know. That's great. That's awesome. You can find these things. Good. We need the nullifiers, right? So um, spe- speaking of that, if there was a point where our information was being throttled and we were not, uh, free speech is the issue. And if something like that, it starts to be cracked down like like they want to do with the Internet and all that kind of stuff. And the FCC already does decide what content you can and cannot put on. They always have. What would be the way to set the brush fires of pirate radio? Is this something that we could do with like um, encryption so certain people can't read it? Can they encrypt radio stations? 
Well, that would kind of be contrary to the to the point, right? Like you want your radio signal to be receivable by as many people as possible. So you wouldn't want to encrypt So you wouldn't it. want to block out the government before being able to hear it or You can't. Um, I mean, it's it's just a broadcast signal. So they're if they're going to find you, they're going to find you by the signal strength. It won't even really even matter what, even if you could encrypt the audio, they, they would still know that you were transmitting there. So they could still find you. That's a, okay. That's a good point, man, because I mean, we might as well do a podcast for ourselves. At that you know, point. Yeah. At, at that oh, point. Oh, no, totally. I, I was just wondering Ian how, like, like, hey, Ian, how you doing? Ideas. Good, Johnny. Good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're really making a difference. We're the only one here in this conversation. <laughs> just talking to ourselves. Yeah, exactly. What, what about repeaters, signal repeaters? Is that something that's feasible uh, worldwide? Well, I mean, I, libertarians don't tend to have a whole lot of money. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard that's, enough that's to good find. Point. Good point. It's hard enough to find somebody who's ballsy enough to to do this, you know, in your 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 town, let alone you know across a state or across a country or across an entire uh, planet. Yeah. However, uh, the Liberty Radio Network satellite feed does cover a couple of continents. I mean, we yeah. do have uh, we do have North and Central America covered, and we've got Sub-Saharan Africa covered with uh, the LRN.FM signal. So there are Anybody who's in within that signal pattern of that satellite, they do not need internet in order to broad to rebroadcast. So as long as you have a clear view of the the sky where the satellite is located, uh, then you can get a cheap satellite receiver, and I mean cheap, like you know seventy to a hundred bucks, and a cheap satellite dish for like probably less than a hundred bucks, and you've got everything you need to receive twenty four seven. Libertarian audio from LRN.FM, and then you just flip that audio into a transmitter in your local area, whether it be in Cameroon, Africa, South Africa, you know, yes. Nigeria, uh, Cuba, you know, you name it. That's cool. Uh, that, that's really that cool. Signals that signals there, and in fact, that's kind of a whole other aspect of what we do. Yeah, uh, Johnny and Raylene is that you know, countries like Cuba, for instance, it's illegal to have a satellite dish. Mm. Wow. There are people there who they will risk their freedom just to listen to content yes. that is is illegal. Hell, in their not area. even produce it. Right. Right. That's crazy. So they smuggle uh, satellite dishes into that country. And there's there's countries in the Middle East, for instance, where they literally have like satellite graveyards where the government has confiscated so many satellite dishes uh, that they, you know, they move them around with bulldozers. That's crazy. Wow. There's crazy. Pictures. There's pictures of this. Wow. It's crazy. Make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro-liberty program, Free Talk Live. <laughs> Free Talk Live is on seven nights per week on 190 plus radio stations coast to coast. And it's pro-liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com again that's freetalklive.com. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas. We are talking to Mr. Ian Freeman, and we'll be back after this commercial break with how to set up your illegal pirate radio station. So, rock and roll. We'll be right back. Hey, listener, chances are some of you are business owners, entrepreneurs, or have a product that you're dying to bring to market. Well, there's something that you all have in common. You need a killer brand, website, and an all-around awesome design to stand out from your competition. Well, I have the solution for you. Invisible Hand Design. We've trusted them with Launchpad Media, Blastoff Branding, Liberty Force, and even my wife's presidential campaign website. 
They do not disappoint. Yeah, didn't they also do the branding for McAfee in 2016? Damn straight. So if your company's image could use a hand, go ahead and reach out to them. Right. They're even offering Blast Off listeners a 20% discount on their first project. Book your conversation with them at invisiblehanddesign.com forward slash blast off. Oh, hell yeah. And we can even do one better. If you work with them, we'll feature the project all over our social media page to give you a launch and a little extra rocket fuel in your engine. Anyway, so that is invisiblehanddesign.com forward slash blast off. Again, invisiblehanddesign.com forward slash blast off. This is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas in your direction. the second segment, Mr. Ian Freeman. It's called Rocket Fire. Rocket what we do on Rocket Fire, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Mr. Freeman, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? Ready to roll. Let's do it. All right. Question one. Can pirate radio signals really make airplanes fall from the sky? Mm, definitely not, but that is what the FCC likes to claim, is that pirate operators are interfering with uh, airlines. And so there is a piece of hardware that you can get for your broadcast equipment that will help prevent those sorts of things from happening. <laughs> it's called a license, right? You just need no, a... No, it's called a low-pass filter. Uh, okay. Well, here's the thing. too technical. I, and I'm, I'm just going to let you know, I was a pilot, and uh, everyone's like, make sure you don't you know, use your cell phones in flight. We texted all the time. Yeah, it's garbage. It's garbage. It's all right. Question two. Do pirate broadcasters interfere with licensed broadcasters? Sometimes they do, and that's a huge mistake. Uh, it's always best to pick a unused section of the radio spectrum. That way you're not stepping on your neighbors. It's just a rude thing to do, and it's going to definitely get you reported to the FCC way faster if you start uh, interfering with other existing stations. Okay, cool. Question three. If everyone was transmitting on the radio, would there be chaos on the airwaves? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone, but I don't think we ever have to worry about that happening. It's okay. pretty hard to, to even find one person who's willing to do it. Okay, so it's just kind of a hobby thing. It's a niche market. Not a lot of people are going to be doing it. Yeah, you got to pretty much be uh, kind of a radio geek or at the very least interested in that sort of thing to get into this. Okay, cool. All right. Question four. In a somewhat recent press release concerning enforcement operations against micro radio station, the FCC said the station was operating at 1,400 times the legal maximum. What does that mean in practical terms? And is there any kind of low-power FM broadcasting allowed? Any kind? Yeah, you've probably seen at like the hardware or the electronic store, you've probably seen like the little FM transmitter you can get for inside your car. Like if you, uh, you know, back when you might have a CD player, but you didn't have it built into your dash. Okay. Um, those, those are legal FM transmitters and they're very, very, very low wattage. So when the FCC says it was 1400 times uh, the legal minimum, that is a very small number. So that's not that impressive. Okay. Question five. Is pirate radio still going as much as it was in the 60s? 
Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know how much it was going in the 60s. I mean, obviously, there's a really fun movie called uh, The Boat That Rocked or a.k.a. Pirate Radio. It's got yes. two different names. Yeah. Uh, the, the the one name is uh, from the UK. The other uh, Pirate Radio is from the US release. And there's some fun stuff that they uh, they definitely did. And uh, we're probably never going to go back to that atmosphere of Pirate Radio. But uh, they're, they're definitely still out there. And if anything, they're probably more common today because the equipment's cheaper. Hmm. Right on, man. All right, question six. A thriving economy does not necessarily eliminate poverty. Should we do more? And if so, what? Okay, so this has nothing to do with radio. No, uh, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> shifting gears. The only uh, reason I should... did that, the only reason I did that is because the question before that you already answered. So I'm just throwing something out of my ass. Well, I would argue that a thriving economy does uh, eliminate poverty. In fact, we're seeing poverty being eliminated across the world in uh, large numbers over the most just the last 20 to 30 years. And that's because of uh, more economic freedom in more places. Right on. Question seven. With net neutrality and cryptocurrency, how will the new FCC regulations impact ICOs? Uh, so they abolished net neutrality, I think, a year or two ago. And ICOs are initial coin offerings, which yes. have kind of fallen off the radar. So I don't know. I, I imagine there's still a few of them out there, but I don't think the FCC is going to have anything to say about it. All right. Question seven. What is the relation to the FCC and the sudden push for net neutrality? Do you think the state will push for a total Internet control and do you think they'll succeed? Um, I think that the state is going to push for more control of everything just because that's what government goons do. Um, I think we're seeing some success from those goons in places like Australia and the UK, where we're seeing uh, porn blocks and filters, and that, those can easily be, you know, expanded to include political viewpoints, for instance, okay. or other things that are unpopular. And that's very, very concerning. Yes, it is. Question eight. What is your thoughts on 5G and what are your concerns about it? Uh, let's have more G's. I'm fine with more <laughs> with more G's. Bring them on. Okay, more G's. All right, there you go. <laughs> All right. Question nine. What do you think would happen if we privatized the FCC? Do you think lysine scarcity would end and would costs go down? And is it something that should be privatized? I think it should be abolished entirely um, and just let the marketplace decide how a radio spectrum should be allocated and let, if we're going to have any kind of government, let the courts decide uh, homesteading issues that might arise from people trying to transmit on the same frequency. Right on. I'd like to end your thoughts with demographics of libertarians. The stats that have been shown are libertarians are white and male, overwhelmingly white and male. Do you have any commentary on the case for why libertarians are made up of us folk? <laughs> Mm, yeah, this is one of those things that for years uh, libertarians have, have talked about and, you know, speculated upon. And and I really don't have any answer for it beyond, uh, you know, libertarians. I, I feel like the ideas of liberty are something that that uh, could be attractive to humans of all shapes and, and sizes. Though I agree. Certainly, yeah, absolutely. Certainly not everybody wants to be uh, wants to be free. Some people do want to be told, you know, have their lives d dictated to them and. Uh, told how to live, and I think they should be able to hire somebody to tell them those things. Rock and roll. Anyway, so that's Rocket Fire. Give it up for Ian Freeman. Bam. Nice job. Bam. Good job. Anyways, that was Johnny Rocket. Always launching ideas. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Rock and roll. 
Librarians is a children's media company for children's ages 0 through 7. Our stories teach the foundational principles that underlie libertarianism and relate them in a manner that even the youngest children can understand and enjoy. Little Libertarians was founded by attorney and libertarian activist Dory Goikman. We teach the basics of self-ownership, non-aggression, and property rights to babies, toddlers, and young kids. Use coupon code ROCKET, R-O-C-K-E-T, for 40% off of Little Libertarian products at www.littlelibertarians.com. Again, that's www.littlelibertarians.com. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Anyway, so we're talking to Ian Freeman. Thank you so much for taking your time to come out here and talk to us about Pirate Radio. Sure, my pleasure. uh, Dude, this is awesome. Informative. Awesome conversation. Raylene, take it away. Yeah, so this is what I'd like to talk to you about. Can you explain the mystery of number stations, and is this something that's still happening today? Uh, what uh, number stations? Isn't that where it's just like like codes or numbers and speaking or whatever or something like that? Yeah, it's just numbers going uh. Uh, on the the radio, they they did a movie called The Game, and it was about um, finding Russian government figured out stuff against the Nazis, and then they won because of the codes and things like that. But I, I I've read that there's still number stations out there with numbers, and we, we don't know what they're about. Have you heard? I remember about hearing about these. It's been a while since I've you know thought about it or or looked into it. Um, I mean, there are some stations that are like time stations. So there's one in Colorado that broadcasts the time constantly over and over again. And it broadcasts a signal that other uh, like clock radios pick up and they can sync up to to be atomic timed. So, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what they're what they're doing. Governments have weird. They do. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Always. All right. So really quick, let's let's start getting in the nitty gritty here. Mm-hmm. What equipment does the FCC use to track your transmission? So if you're broadcasting, what do they do? Like, how do they find you? Good question. They do something called triangulation where uh, they basically drive around and they can use like, I think, a couple of few different points and zero in essentially on relatively close to where it is your transmitter is. Okay. So all they really need for this is a couple of guys in a, in a truck and some time, and they'll be able to figure it out. But they're lazy, so it doesn't happen right away, what you're saying. Well, they, they, they don't know that you're there until somebody snitches you out. Mm-hmm. So it's almost always going to be one of the existing broadcasters, so somebody who's you know, it's kind of like the cycle of abuse. You know, they've 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 got their license. They've been beaten down by the man, so they want you to get beaten down too, because you haven't gotten your license. And so uh-huh. they're going to snitch you out as soon as they know that you're on the air. They're likely going to report you to uh, the FCC. But that's not to say that it happens like that everywhere. I mean, there are some operators that have been running uh, LRN.FM that I know of. Uh, that have been running it pretty successfully for a number of years. So it kind of just depends on on where you are and who's listening and 
how uh, how much or how likely they are to snitch you out. Okay, so it's generally other radio stations who are out to get you, not competition the- who uses the state. Yeah, yep. correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, what are the choices regarding locations, uh, duration of broadcast, time of broadcast? Frequency. And do they have to move around frequently to not get exactly, caught? Exactly. Exactly. I'd like to add that on if you don't mind. Yeah. Mm. So uh, there's some really entertaining movies like uh, Pump Up the Volume with Christian yeah. Slater. Yes, from I remember this. 19, yeah. The 1980s. <laughs> that one, he actually had like, uh, I don't know if it was like a Jeep or a van or something that they were broadcasting out of it at one point that they could actually move around. And that's an interesting idea. Um, of course, you know, in order to do that, you've got to have some sort of vehicle with some method of uh, providing power for as long as, you know, you're going to be doing whatever broadcast and then, you know, being able to move it from diff- different locations. So you may actually have to have more than one location uh, that's friendly to you, which, as I pointed out earlier, it's hard to find people who are willing to do this sort of thing because there are some risks involved. Um, if you're going to do it, then it would seem, you know, most effective to do it 24 seven. That way you're there serving your community with whatever content you are all the time. It might be a little more difficult to build an audience if it's only there some of the time. But then again, I don't know. I, you know, there's different, different options out there. I would want to do it all the time. Um, moving the locations, an interesting approach, but on the day on which the FCC comes to town, you know, unless you're moving about constantly, which would, you know, basically be a full-time job, they're still probably going <laughs> to figure out, you know, where it is that you're transmitting on that particular day in question and zero in and, and target uh, whoever owns that property uh, if uh, they can identify that. Wow. So, so how do illegal uh, pirate radio people, how do they get funding and how do they do that in this day and age, let's say? Because like you said, there was one brazen person who was getting advertising, but that- Yeah, that's rare. But but yeah, but, but how would, I mean, I am assuming probably crypto or is what's the safest way probably for people to get uh, like- support? Patreon, Patreon. Mm-hmm. Not I'm Patreon, kidding, I'm but. joking, I don't know. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I don't think that, you know, for, uh, look, I'm not an attorney, but from what I understand, it's not illegal- to receive funding for running a pirate radio station. It's just, uh, as I pointed out earlier, New York and Florida, they've actually made it a criminal act to to run a pirate radio station. But in most states, there's no law against it. And you would just then be going up against the FCC, potentially taking your, your stuff. So I think most stations are probably just funded by the person running the station through the love of whatever, you know, music or information that they want to broadcast. And I don't know how many of them actually take donations. That doesn't seem like a terrible idea, though. Right. It's a great idea. Okay, here's the ultimate question. We bought all this gear. We set up our pirate radio station. We're transmitting all over, you know, Timbuktu. What if you get caught? What actions should you take if you get caught by the authorities? What do you say? Like, uh... Sorry. I mean, what do you what do you do? Like, what, what, what's the right way to handle this? Yeah. What do you do? Have you thought about this? And like, what, yeah, what, what, what what's the contingency plan? Oh, I'm I got I busted. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? Most of the time they're going to send you a threatening letter. Uh, it's called a notice of apparent liability where they say, uh, Johnny Rocket, we believe that you're operating <laughs> on this uh, frequency from right. this location. And uh, we don't believe that you have a license for this. If you do, you need to show it to us or else you need to cease broadcasting. 
and they'll send the same letter to whoever owns the property, so whatever landlord or, or owner. And so they try to put pressure on the, the owners who, in a lot of cases, you know, are not the libertarians. They're just the person renting. Yeah, because we're broke. So. We're broke. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> so they'll put pressure on whoever they can to, to make it stop. And if you do stop when you receive the letter, that's the last you're going to hear from the FCC. They're going to leave you alone um, in, in, in most cases. Um, if you continue to operate after that initial letter, then they will likely send you another threatening letter and or at some point come in with a goon squad and take. So uh, that's usually the worst case scenario. Or they'll also issue you a fine, which some say they will never actually be able to collect if you don't pay it because they would then have to bring you to court. And then you'd be able to make an argument if you you know, had an attorney or knew how to do court things. Uh, then uh, you'd be able to make a free speech argument, which the theory is they don't want that to happen. And so they'll only just try to bluster you into paying the fine. Uh, but if you refuse to pay, things kind of get uh, interesting because then they have to actually do something to collect it. And they're not generally willing to do that. So, you know, the risk overall is probably a lot less risky than going out and doing cop block. Um, but uh, it still requires, you know, the ability and uh, the willingness to to take that risk, and that's that's still a rare feature to find in in activists. Well, from what I've read in an article, they were saying that the thing that you should do is to say, uh, "Is this your radio station? Or are you transmitting?" Yeah, and you say, "I'm an amateur, you know, radio operator. I'm just." Oh, that sounds like a bad idea. I would say you're better off not talking to them, treating them like they're police and do not answer any questions. Um, if anything, you should have a video camera uh, and point it at them and ask them questions. Um, in fact, there was a really entertaining video of that exact thing happening here in Keene, New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, God, what do you have to search for? I'm sure it's it's uh, online. Like, let's see. FCC, Keene. And age. Anyway, um, yeah, there it is. FCC agents try to find a free radio station in Keene, New Hampshire. So if you want to see what happens when I confront a couple of uh, FCC agents poking around the streets of, uh, of Keene, uh, let's just say they are not too happy to be on camera and they do everything they can to hide their faces. Very <laughs> pretty entertaining. I really? love that. It's, very yeah, it's cool. a two minute video. It's really quick. Send it to me so we can put it on the show notes. OK, sure. Oh, yeah, that's fun. So we were talking about how, what Lawrence Reed was talking about and how these people were putting their families at great risk to um, start speaking out against communism and for liberty and, and all this stuff and, and what that is. And then you were talking about people who were in urban areas playing music that was for them um, instead of what was being fed to them. They were doing it on their own, which I think is really amazing. So what do you think the percentages are um, of talk radio versus music and how, which one do you think is more powerful in changing the culture of who's listening to it? Well, I mean, obviously I think talk radio is, uh, is more powerful simply because uh, you know, minute for minute, you've got more ideas going out there than, than you would if you were playing music. That's not to say um, music isn't useful or, or helpful, uh, to spreading the ideas of freedom. I think that we need a, a multitude of, of approaches because not everybody is interested in listening to talk radio. Uh, and if you can get the ideas of liberty across through lyrics, then that's also pretty useful too. So I think that we need all of the above pro approaches. But if I were going to be spending and uh, you know, taking time and, and risk on running a pirate radio station, I would be doing it uh, with talk radio. And do you know what the um, statistics slash uh, percentages might be of what's out there? Do you have any, like, 
Most of the time when you see a story about a talk station or excuse me, when you see a, a story about a pirate radio station getting busted, it's almost always music. Oh, okay. So not so like I, I read a story about the ghetto boys being played on one pirate radio station and that's all they played is ghetto boys from the 90s. You know, I kind of wonder, is that another form of cronyism, Johnny? I mean, what do you guys think? Because wouldn't it seem like it's again about the competition and maybe the record labels are lobbying to do that? Um, I don't think so. No. I just think it's just... They're taking down music? No, because it's ghetto boys and they're swearing a lot and it's cool. But I mean, like, that's what the, the problem is. I mean... It's not really the record. I don't think it's a cronyism thing with the record labels or anything like that. I just think it's that you're playing (laughs) soccer mom, Cindy, as we keep mentioning this woman. I don't know who she Mm -hmm. is, but she's out Mm there. Do you really think it's just about the swearing? Yeah. Oh, it's a big deal. But like there was this argument, Ian, and I think you can agree with me. It's like everyone's like, well, if we turn on the radio, you know, and my kid hears it, you know, it's like, well, what about internet you know like the internet you yeah. can look up anything and then <laughs> there it girls, is one cup two girls yeah. one cup. every one there of these people watches game of thrones so exactly whatever. Well, well that's hbo that's like a paid thing whatever but like what i'm getting at you go on the internet you find every swear word every podcast whatever right. nobody has a problem with that but since it's on the airwaves now it becomes an issue mm-hmm. soccer mom cindy and you're because you know what these kids are going to hear these words anyways it's up to you as a good parent to decide whether or not they use those words, right? And so yeah. if you're a good parent... Or get a radio or have a radio. I mean, Exactly. Kids don't even know how to use telephones anymore. I mean, they don't... Yeah, exactly. If you don't like the content, turn it off. I mean, that's simple to me. Whatever. It's simple. Final question. Final question. What actual equipment is needed to do this? So we're setting up a radio station. Let's just say we're doing it. We're not doing it. We're just saying we're doing it because we're going to have a disclaimer in the show somewhere saying that we do not condone this. What do we need? But what do we need to buy? And like, what do you recommend? How much? What's the cost? And if we want to get people spreading the ideas of liberty, if they choose to, because we don't really, we don't want you guys to do this. But if you just happen to want to do this, we can't stop you from doing it. So what do, what do they need? Like, what do they need to buy? What's the cost involved? And just so give us a quick breakdown. Different options. Uh, if you go to station.lrn.fm, that's the page on the LRN website where there's a lot of detail here, uh, specific hardware recommendations, some of which may be out of date at this point. It may need an update, uh, but uh, some of it's still there. So you've got to have a a way to uh, feed audio into your transmitter. So that could be like a computer or it could be one of these little barracks boxes that you can basically spend a couple hundred bucks on uh, one of these things. And they're just essentially like a little Linux computer that's the size of the palm of your hand, basically. And it uh, it receives an internet feed and uh, it just, you know, puts it out, uh, you know, and then you connect that to a mixer or connect it directly to a transmitter or whatever. And so, I mean, you can make this as complicated or as simple as, as you want. You need your audio source, you need a transmitter, you need an antenna, you need the cables to connect them all together. I mean, so this can be done for a few hundred bucks, it can be done for a few thousand bucks. I mean, it just depends on how much time, what you want to, you know, do you want to do your own local shows? Well, then you need a mixer with some microphones, uh, or if you just want to feed, you know, LRN 24 seven, then, then it can be pretty simple, a satellite receiver or one of these barracks boxes. So without getting too technical, uh, there's a little, you know, a lot, lot more detail at station.lrn.fm. Okay. So you could do it for like, let's just say on the cheapest route, you're saying a, a few hundred dollars. So you're saying yeah. 
Yeah, if you already had like a computer or something that you could plug into it, uh, if you didn't have anything, if you're starting from zero, then you might have to spend a few hundred bucks, like 500 or something like that to have, to get it all together. Really? Okay, so you could pretty much do this for like two or $300 if you have a computer. Yeah, yeah. if you got one of the cheapy Chinese transmitters and antennas, sure. That's cool. That is cool, man. And thank you so much for this because I'm not going to sure. do this, wink, but, <laughs> but it's definitely something to look into. And, you know, like I said, if people are like broadcasting our shows or if we want to put our if you guys want to put your content out there again, you are accepting the risk that you're going to do this and you could get caught and you could be fine and you could, you know, I don't think you'll get thrown in jail. And you said the two states are New York and Florida. So don't do this if you're in New York or Florida, pretty much. Or do whatever you want, but take the responsibility and be safe. Be safe. Yeah. Good advice. Good yeah. Advice. Please, guys. I really appreciate it, Ian, and uh, this has been really fun. Okay, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Oh, defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. In Freeman, give us your .com, sir. Freetalklive.com, freekeen.com, lrn.fm. Thank you. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much for everything. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas, and I'm here with my Ray Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Thanks, everyone. Always launching ideas in your direction, and we'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Rock and roll.